The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor from the air, and all naval and military activities on the island of Oahu, the principal American base in the Hawaiian Islands. That was Secretary Early's message. Short while later, he dictated another message. A second air attack has been reported. This one has been made on the Army and Navy bases in Manila. And here's a last-minute Associated Press flash from Honolulu. A naval engagement is in progress off Honolulu with at least one black enemy aircraft carrier in action against the Pearl Harbor defenses. The Japanese began the war from the air at Pearl Harbor. They have been repaid many fold, and the end is not yet. With this bomb, we have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction to supplement the growing power of our armed forces. It is an atomic bomb. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. The force from which the sun draws its power has been loosed against those who brought war to the far east. We are now prepared to destroy more rapidly and completely every productive enterprise the Japanese have in any city. We shall destroy their docks, their factories, But should we have done it? How did it come to this? Today on Stoner's Point Podcast, we're going to learn the story behind the history books. We're going to talk about the reasons for the attack, the aftermath, including our fight with Japan and the bombings that followed. After today's history lesson, we'll dissect it and discuss the ethics of the decisions, the post-war effects that we still see today, and decide what, if anything, should be learned from it. Hi everybody, I'm Richard. And I'm Michael. This is the Stoner's Point Podcast, a... Hopefully weekly podcast about whatever the fuck we feel like talking about. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, yep, we're, we're ready to get this going. Sounds better the second time around anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Made so, me feel bad that I don't have a script for my whole entire intro here, but I think we can still get it going again. <laughs> um, while we're going through this, folks, don't hesitate. If we have touched on something and you feel that we didn't quite get it right or it needs more attention for a future podcast please don't hesitate to get in touch with us we will post a link to our twitter in the comments so hope you enjoy it and let's get her started all right well today we're going to start talking about the bombings on pearl harbor and the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki we're going to cover all the little meat that goes in between that sandwich and on top of that sandwich, and we're going to have fun eating that sandwich afterwards. Uh, our sandwich begins back in 1919 at the end of World War I. Uh, Japan was one of our allies during the fight against you know, the rest of the world. And uh, between Britain, France, and the U.S., there was a lot of things split up, territories, whatnot, and Japan was supposed to get their fair share. At the end of the world of World War One, when the profits of war were being divvied up among the winners, Japan got fucked pretty hard by all his so-called allies, such as Britain, U.S., France, and Italy. Japan was to be given pieces of German territory in the South Pacific, China, and Africa. Also, the Japanese had inserted a clause in the treaty that would have affirmed the equality of all nations, regardless of race. Well. This proposal was ultimately unsuccessful despite a majority of delegations voting for it. The rejection of this proposal has been seen by some historians as an event which contributed to Japan turning away from the Western world in the years after World War I. 
they felt like they had earned their place at the table, and basically all the all the European countries were saying, no, nah, you pretty much did a whole lot for us during the war, and you bled on the same battlefield, but your eyes are slanted and your skin is yellow and you speak some weird language. So you can just, you can get, kind of get fucked. We'll, we'll give you some, some token things here and there, but not the stuff they, you really want. So they decided to be, the only way to be treated with respect and honor they believed they deserved was to take what they had been denied. Now, what they had to take actually came down to uh, uh, like raw materials for, for infrastructure. So Japan began to replicate the colonial model of the world's current superpowers. Nations such as Britain were built with the resources that came from their colonies, and Japan was a nation of few natural resources of her own. As they colonized other Asian territories in order to secure raw materials and heavy industry sources, they also established high tariffs to cut down on European and American imports. You know, kind of like making Japan great again. There was one enormous problem they had to deal with. Raw materials such as oil and rubber, critical to the military, were out of reach. The majority of the oil Japan had came from the U.S. and rubber. Sorry, backing up here. The majority of the oil Japan had come from the U.S. and rubber came from the British-controlled Malaysia. On top of that, the U.S. declared an embargo on all U.S. oil going into Japan in response to the Japanese invasion of Chinese territories. Then, in response to Japan's invasion of French Indochina, Franklin Delano Roosevelt seized all Japanese assets in the United States. So basically, any money that was invested in the United States, any bank accounts held in the United States by, Japanese, uh, by the Japanese government, was pretty much, it's gone. Any gold that they were holding, that, well, that's gone now. That's, and it's gone. With an ongoing war with China and mounting tensions with the Soviet Union, Japan was now at a crossroads. Japanese Foreign Minister Toyota summed it up perfectly in a speech given on July 31, 1941. Commercial and economic relations between Japan and third countries led by England and the United States are gradually becoming so horribly strained that we cannot endure it much longer. Consequently, our empire, to save its very life, must take measures to secure the raw materials of the South Seas." End quote. Those measures turned out to be a preemptive strike against U.S. bases in Manila and Hawaii. The reason for going to those uh, bases was that they needed time to gather resources and take certain areas in the South Seas, and if they were able to disable those bases temporarily, they'd get a head start. It wasn't so that they could invade. They might invade at a later date, but it was mostly so they could secure access to the natural resources they needed. And uh, I'm going to let Mike go from here with the attack on Pearl Harbor. All right, I paused. <laughs> Give me a second. You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks, Richard. Uh, very detailed uh, beginning of uh, where the Japanese were standing at with their uh, morality on what they were doing at that time. Um, a very interesting take, and I can't really find any things that I would find to, to disagree with at all there. That's pretty much exactly um, what happened. Um, some people don't like to admit it, but it was all about it. Um, so, at this point, um, after they have uh, 
gotten themselves comfortable, they decided that uh, to hold it all, they needed to take control of the entire Pacific Rim to make sure that they had control of the entire ocean. It was it would be theirs, the resources thereof, and that nobody would be able to attack them if they controlled all the thing. They'd have to come by sea, and they had good confidence in their uh, naval strategies at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, they were way ahead of the game in that aspect, um, as us Americans have were using our aircraft carriers mainly as transports. They had already devised, you know, tactical efforts to use them as, you know, at-sea combat platforms that worked together, and they were fairly lethal, as they shown on December 7th, 1941, the day they stirred the dragon. Um, <laughs> they came in, and it uh, looks like um, I've got here, they had uh, 353 aircraft, um, all kinds of uh, aerial fighters, the Zeros, they were very deadly at the time, um, that we'll find later. Um, dive bombers, torpedo bombers, and they came in in two different waves in two different directions. Um, they brought those on six aircraft carriers at a time that I think we had five. And um, luckily ours weren't there. Um, they also had a couple of submarines in there where they were attacking some other land targets to uh, get our attention. Um, they came in, uh, they attacked both the Naval Harbor and the nearby military base. Um, and in this attack, they took out all of the, uh, the destroyers that we had in the harbor and a few support boats. Luckily, as I said, our carriers were out being cargo ships carrying airplanes to uh, other bases, one of them being Midway. Um, that will definitely come into play later. Um, the attack at Pearl Harbor um, took out 2,400 American soldiers and wounded 1,100 more. Uh, there were a few civilian losses uh, from people that were... 68 civilian deaths. 68 civilian deaths. Thank you very much, Chad. That was not here in this particular bit here. Um, and, uh, well, it, their whole, they wanted to take out our Pacific naval capabilities so that they could pretty much take over all the islands and hold on to those resources. Because if we couldn't come by sea and they held all the little land spots, there was nothing we could do about it. And they were right. If this would have worked out to their advantage, everything in the future here would have been completely different. Um, so a few little highlights from that. Our response was, well, pretty much surprise. Um, <laughs> we had no way to retaliate at this point. Our naval forces were crippled. There's no way you well, can fly that there far. Were, there were anti-aircraft guns. They were able to uh, shoot down a lot of the planes that were coming over. Like their Japanese only lost seventy, I think, during this attack. But they, uh, there were like a lot of like they, they shot down planes is all they could do. Yeah, during the attack, yeah, we we responded as well as we could for that. Um, like I said, it was a surprise attack. And um, also, there had been preparations at Pearl Harbor, but they weren't in time. So, like, they took, uh, there, there were supposed to be more bombers coming on the way. And they were supposed to be on the way that morning. And they were going to be, you know, stationed there at, at uh, Pearl Harbor. And when they saw the Japanese bombers on the radar, they were told to ignore it. 
because it was going to be that fleet of bombers that they were expecting. So that would have that took away a lot of element of surprise. And also, they the Japanese had a way of like when they attacked a base, they would sabotage it. So what they did was they put all the airplanes, all their fighter planes, they parked them wingtip to wingtip, you know, in the effort to kind of keep them all together where they could be watched. Well, it backfired on them because instead of sabotage, they just came in and strafed them with machine guns and dropped fucking bombs on them, and it took out the entire, like, air fleet. So it was, it, it, it was an effective attack, but it was more effective than it should have been. Yeah, the way, the, <laughs> the way that our ships were in the harbor were in yeah. line with each other so the bombers could just line up and just drop bombs yeah, and they it, didn't it even was, have to try. It was like the heavens parted and said, let's... Yeah, it, this up. had our carriers <laughs> been in there like they thought they were, had they not moved out just a little bit prior to that, you know, we would their whole plan would have worked. <laughs> we would have had no response. There would be no way we could have done it had we lost our carriers. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that that would have been a completely different war. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, if full details have been done to death. Uh, I do recommend uh, Battle Three Hundred and Sixty from the History Channel. That was one of my favorite series. Um, they do a pretty good job there. We'll put some links for some interesting stuff in there to follow along. But, yeah, after the attack of Pearl Harbor, like I said, we, we really didn't have anything to respond with because, like I said, most of our naval fleet was destroyed. We had to get some more stuff out there, put together an actual response. But what could that response be? We can't reach them without them knowing we're coming. So we, have to, we, want, we want to get air superiority. We don't have the carrier force right now to do it. So we kick our, our, our industry machine into overdrive and we start pumping out battleships and carriers as fast as we can. Um, it comes out to uh, our next major encounter. You know, we were able to match them carrier to carrier at that particular battle and we still had you know, two other ones involved in another uh, attack strategy, uh, which will come into play, I think it was uh, almost a year later before we uh, actually got to properly respond to Pearl Harbor. Well, it's a definition of proper. <laughs> and, and honestly, a definition of response. <laughs> eye for an eye kind of a thing. Oh, uh, yeah, well, um, you know, like, bombing raids from Allied forces on Japan became kind of earnest. In, became in, they started really in 1941. But they really picked up in the later half of... Uh, 1944. The first time we were able to touch the Japanese mainland was because of a brilliant hold my beer moment by Doolittle. <laughs> yeah? We can't get our bombers over there to bomb them. Hold my beer. <laughs> Let's put 24 B-24 Liberators on this itty-bitty aircraft. That won't work. I, wait a minute. Hmm? Did you I, tell me I, I, I can't do something? This, where he wasn't supposed to be able to make it all the way over there. And he like kind of did a test run. They never thought them B-24s would lift off yeah. of an aircraft and, and, and carrier. They like startled the shit out of Japan. <laughs> yeah, right. we bombed Japan way sooner than we thought we should. Like, we only had enough fuel to get there and to divert into uh, mainland China. But we had to launch early because we were discovered. So, a random airplane <laughs> come over. We shot it down, but not before they could send out a radio signal. So they knew we were coming, so they had to launch way early, like 300 miles early. <laughs> Which meant they were most of them were going to ditch in occupied land, so they knew it was a suicide trip. <laughs> Are we yeah. getting bombed by the U.S.? No, that's impossible. So let's just 
It's not happening. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's, again, that one will deserve a whole entire thing. Just oh, how yeah. in the heck did he come up with that and actually get that to play through? Um, okay. But a few other things that at the, about the same time period here, within just a few days, uh, Japan um, so also invaded the Philippines, took Guam, uh, invaded Burma, um, let's see, invaded Borneo, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Luzon, Luzon, sorry, um, uh, forced uh, MacArthur to start withdrawing from uh, Manila and Bataan. Um, they took Wake Island, Hong Kong, took, uh, the British surrendered at Hong Kong, um, Manila was declared some kind of an open city. That's something I did not look deeper into, but, you know, Japan bombed the crap out of it, and that's all within two weeks' period of time. Um, this is why we were still licking our wounds and getting our act together to get out there and get involved. Uh, let's see, it wasn't too much longer than that. About April 9th, um, we finally... Uh, no, this is an, another bad thing here. Sorry, I, I skipped ahead. Uh, behind, sorry. Um just jumping all three times. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> whole nother episode there. <laughs> uh, the U.S. forces on Bataan surrendered uh, to the Japanese on uh, April 9th and on the 10th. That was uh, the big death march um, where 76,000 of our POWs um, were, including 12,000 Americans of them, were forced to walk 60 miles with no food or water and 5,000 uh, Americans had lost their lives in that particular uh, event. Oh, like when we, uh, when we tried to hike up the river. Yeah, <laughs> no worse than what, what we did to the, uh, the natives when we moved them on the Trail of Tears. And something like that, but it happened to us, so we got really all yeah, pissed off about it. Yeah, we tapped the shit it. out of there, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, comes the, the turning point, I think, for us, um, was the Battle of Midway, uh, May 5th. They tried, uh, the Japanese, they sent out the, their, brand, their carrier force again, pretty much the same contingent as took out Pearl Harbor. Um, but we had figured out their codes by this point, which really flipped the script. Um, the J Japanese tried to send out a distraction force to take um, the Aleutian Islands up in uh, Alaska. Um, but we knew that was a distraction um, because of uh, we knew the codes. We heard something about target AF. We didn't know what it was. So uh, we sent out a decoy message that there's a severe war, war shortage on Midway Island. Well, we got a response that we decoded from the J Japanese saying that you know, we received word that there's a water shortage at target AF. So we knew that, hey, they were invading target AF. Now we knew where it was. So we didn't go respond to the Aleutians. Instead, we sent our new carriers, um, matched them carrier for carrier, sent out four carriers full of uh, dive bombers and fighters ourselves. They were going to be coming in from one direction when we parked ourselves up in the northeast, I think it was, from the other direction, and uh, kind of hid our carriers from them and let them come in for it. The Battle of Midway, we had the airplanes there. Remember, the carriers were away dropping them off there. Oh, yeah. Um, so we had fighters there. We held off some of the carriers. Uh, unfortunately, we lost quite a few of our TBD Avengers because uh, 
they were pretty crappy airplanes. We were way behind the times on our aircraft out there. The Zeros out there would just chew them up. There was, we couldn't handle it. Um, the Hellcats we had at the time you know, were pretty decent, but you, know, you get two Zeros on you and that, that thing was gone too. So we, we were outgunned. But the boys out there on Midway that were on the island did a really good job of holding off the attack and keeping the carriers focused until we could get our carriers into position to launch. And then, you know, finally, after a really nice battle that, I, again, you need to go and watch on one of those uh, history channels, folks. It's, it's a good one. Um, we wound up taking out all of their carriers and, you know, defending Midway. Which it was also like 12 movies. Yeah, there's a whole lot of it, but there's, the Battle of Midway is, was really a good topic that it would need a whole entire discussion about, and we could cover that on hours of time. But um, yeah, we, won, we decisively won that battle. It was a hard fault, but we decisively won it, and it put a hurt on the Japanese naval force, uh, which gave us time to increase ours. And I think at one time we had 36 carriers, um, and... A, a huge support force. The, the industrial might just, at that time, you, you, it was the best on the planet. And nobody could ever ever deny that. Um, we proved it big time there. Uh, cranking out a ship a week, airplanes every few minutes. It, it was nuts. Um, so after Midway, uh, we get to, um, what was it here? The, yeah, Guadalcanal, that one. Yeah, I need to put my glasses on eventually. Um, <laughs> He's yeah. also reading from parchment. <laughs> yeah, I'm only seven years older than dirt. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, August 7th, we uh, started the invasion of Guadalcanal. That is another big pivotal point in the war. Um, this is actually where we really found out who the Japanese were um, and how determined they were and how fanatical they were. Um, which will be important later. Um, they, they fight to the last man, pretty much. They yeah. don't, they did not like to be taken prisoner. Yeah, it goes all the way back to the same. They didn't here. take very many prisoners. Um, so there were a lot of casualties. Uh, and this is something that most people at this point in time in their lives had never heard or seen of before type casualties. So, you know, remember that. You know, oh yeah, they were like they were they were pretty brutal. Um, um, like we, there's gonna be a whole episode about like, for instance, Unit Seven Thirty One, and um, <laughs> they were brutal. Um, like I said, the losses and the and the fighting that went on there, they fought to the almost to the last bullet. Uh, I, I think there were maybe twelve hundred. I don't have that. It this doesn't have that, and the the number of. Uh, people that surrendered and the actual casualties per battle and stuff is really not that important in this particular discussion of it. Yeah. Um, all that information is absolutely found. I will be highlighting some numbers though just to, to drive some points you, home you're dealing with uh, You're dealing with people that would rather disembowel themselves than than surrender, at least by their own code. That's what, they, that, that's what they're expected to do. Right. We were, they were taught that we were pretty much the white devil. Um, well, their emperor, their emperor said we were the evil white man, and you know they should not be taking prisoner. And they, can, they were he he was their god at that point. I'm not so. saying he's he's right, but look at you know look at the Indians. I, I haven't <laughs> tried to deny anything. I just say I didn't do it. 
Every flag around, like Tom McDonald said in his song, every flag around the world's covered with a little blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, okay, U.S., uh, August 24th, uh, U.S. and Japanese carriers that remain uh, hit the Solomons, and, uh, well, we took them out there. Um, that actually was a diversionary tactic from them to try to uh, get a landing force on Guadalcanal, and that didn't work out all that well either. We had a good foothold there, and we repelled it, but it was, again, a secondary bloody battle there. That, you know, Guadalcanal, like Midway, has movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was you know, a very big point in the war. Um, but, yeah, we, we had enough naval force there at that time that we were able to respond to the decoy and maintain the island. Um, barely, but we did it. Um, and uh, the Japanese took some heavier losses there. At this point, they've lost three-quarters of their naval force. Um, they lose it all a little bit later. Um, shortly after that, a few months later, in December, is when uh, the first nuclear chain reaction test is successfully done. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that is a very important point that comes into very much play <laughs> later in the story. Um, February 9th is when the Japanese resistance on Guadalcanal finally ends. And uh, yeah, we were back in what, June when they came in. So yeah, that was a pretty good long stretch there. Uh, the next big moment. Wait, it's uh, when? How long has it been? <laughs> um, it was um, midway. August 7th, 1942 to February 9th, 43. That's, that's a long time to be in a skirmish. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, you're, you're there a minute. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of material you there. You your favorite tree to shoot We on can't cover that in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, these islands were extremely important to the cause that you had mentioned yeah. earlier. So yeah, they were fighting to Vital. the death for this. It was their entire life. Literally. Um, the next moment of mention, June 5th, 44, um, we finally get our B-29 superfortresses in that can actually fly long enough distances if we get the close enough airfield to the mainlands to actually get it. Uh, Guadalcanal got us to some occupied territories, but not quite to Japan. Um, so we send out 77 of our brand new airplanes that we were cranking out um, to bomb the uh, previously held, well, currently held at this time, um, Bangkok, Thailand. Some uh, factories over there that the Japanese had set up. Um, let's see. Hang on a second. We missed something back there. Apparently I overlooked it, and I do Jump apologize. Time machine. Uh, where the hell is that? Because we mentioned it earlier, and I don't want to completely skip it. Give me just one second here. No, nope, that is definitely not it. Yep, just rustling through his pile of scrolls. Yeah, well, it'd be the same thing if I'm sitting there flipping <laughs> on a mouse, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, forgive me, folks. This is the first one. I'm trying to look for the exact date, but, yeah, I'm looking for a reference to the date of the Doolittle Raid that happened because the next point is, I, I don't, yeah, you know, I'm giving up here. <laughs> I know I had it highlighted, but I got a lot of stuff highlighted here. Uh, 
somebody can comment on it in the Twitter and just. Oh yeah, just yeah. Say, yeah. One star review. Yeah, <laughs> um, the B twenty five. Some more bombing raids on uh, Japan. The very first one with a uh, forty seven additional B twenty nines hit Bengal, based in Bengal, India. Target still works in Yawada. Uh, so this is now the second time we've actually been able to hit Japanese soil, uh, soil. Um, and this is in 44, and if I'm not mistaken, we, uh, we're talking three years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know Japan homeland, you know, the emperors, you know, you know, they ain't been able to mess with us yet. Right, this is only the second time they've been able to touch us in three years. How bad can it be? Um, well, it's, it starts getting a little bit worse. Um, well, he also had like a cabinet of ministers. They had like a weird government. It, it's yeah. something similar to like the Queen of England, if the Queen of England actually did have some dictatorial powers. But it's like it's like an either or, either Parliament or their their Parliament can do it, or he or and, he can do it. And those guys play a big part in the final moments. Yeah, yeah, a <laughs> huge part. Like on, they couldn't get they they couldn't get their had a government shutdown. <laughs> no, <Nah>, bro. <laughs> These guys pulled a Trump. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, uh, after we were able to start getting you know, stuff over there, there's a bunch of other little uh, invasions. We start making headway. Um, one of the big ones is when we uh, invade Tanan. Um, that one is the money maker. Um, there was a half finished airfield there. Um, and it was within striking distance from land to land of anywhere in Japan. So we went after that, and we got it. Um, then we start softening up Okinawa, which if we can get that, we can actually stage landing troops and you know get actual equipment to stage for uh, a land invasion, which had already been authorized uh it had a funny name to it and i can't remember it now shoot um but yeah that was one of the options that will come into play later uh and we start attacking their mainland after we start uh after we get okinawa we, no it's not their mainland uh other islands around in the philippines and surrounding little islands in there um Flipping the page, folks, flipping the page. Another big one here is uh, February 19, 1945, when oh, we yeah, finally move into and uh, invade the island of Iwo Jima. Everybody's heard of this one. Everybody's seen the fucking statue, for sure. Yeah. Um, and again, movies, 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 plenty of documentaries about this particular subject in depth. But some real. There's a comic book series. I would not surprise like me. Like a right gra well, graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> would not surprise me. There's man. no it's, shortage it's, of information. That, on that battle is Jima, iconic, yeah. man. It, yeah. Um, and the reason is not because it's such a strategic importance or an important victory. It's just in the amount of struggle that went into achieving that one little piece of freaking dirt. Yeah. It, it was. It was kind of like Sisyphus, you know, rolling the hill. Up to the top, and then you <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> say from that battle, only twelve hundred Japanese survivors were taken. 
they sit in the ground for three weeks while they were being shelled for it to be softened up and did nothing and waited for us to land on that one piece of beach. <laughs> and then all hell broke loose. And it stayed held. Every single teeny tiny inch of that island had to be taken individually. There were so many encampments with the caves and shit in there that then they were everywhere. You, it was like playing Doom on like Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those guys, the Japanese, showed their determination, their ferocity, and they fought to the very bitter end, to the last bullet. Um, the ones that didn't die when they ran out of ammunition before the battle was over, they killed themselves with the last grenade they had, and if they could, they took one of us with them. <laughs> So, I wonder how, how accurate the depiction of, like, all these soldiers having swords to kill themselves with. Like, I know it was a thing in the Samurai Day, but you, you see it in, like, movies. Officers, officers had them. Um, and if the enlisted had enough money, they had, or had somebody that had served in the, the history that was they had like a, a, one, a family. One. Yeah. yeah. That, that's how common it was. I mean, it wasn't every soldier was issued with one. But, yeah, it was fairly common. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nobody wanted their son to go into battle if they served in the military without a good sword. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, if you're if you get caught, you know, you just here's something to disembowel yourself. And uh, well, good luck to you. We love you. Now they all had a good tanto knife, you know, a short, a little short knife. But they all had that. You know, every one of them could commit a ritual suicide, but they were taught. You know, hey, if yeah, you can take out your like enemy, a, use a grenade. It was like uh, it's like mafia members when they get they're not supposed to admit that there's such a thing as the mafia but you know yeah, these these <laughs> most of them didn't <laughs> want to be prisoners of war because really they they were taught and you know trained that we were the enemy we would torture them and it'd be worse than death to be prisoners by us that's what they were taught yeah which remember this mindset because again it comes into play later <laughs> um so uh, yeah, this is the kind of enemy that we're facing. Ninety-five uh, percent casualties in their in their ranks. They didn't surrender, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and they didn't take prisoners. You know, they were they were fighting to the death here because their entire existence depended on it in their eyes. Um, but we finally get uh, the land forces in. Uh, Iwo Jima, we finally get that taken, and there's an, we build an airfield there so that we can get more fighter escorts to be able to fly over the mainland. So now we've got a spot for our bombers and some long-range escorts, and then we can send another wave. So now we can start messing with Japan. Um, we, we can start now. Yeah. So we move in and we start taking Okinawa, getting prepared to uh, take some closer land. Again, Okinawa is one of the bloodiest battles in this entire freaking world. Well, they're, de they're defending their own home territory at that point. Yeah. Their an ancestral homes, all that shit, you know. Um, yeah, I've got some other supporting information that once we go through this timeline that we'll pop into before we get to the, uh, the meat of it. Um, so we get into Okinawa and there's a lot of losses. We'll hit the numbers here in just a second. Um, we get that Okinawa there and from that I have to go over here. Um, I've got another set here. 
based on that Battle of Okinawa, this is some important information that uh, is going to lead up to the decision coming here in just a minute. Uh, our war planners at the time estimated that if we were to invade the mainland, that uh, we would suffer a quarter of a million losses conservatively. And that uh, uh, the Japanese loss would be over a million. Those numbers uh, don't look good. That, that would actually play into about what it would be. Um, and that's just the military losses, not yeah. counting what would the civilians do based on what we have faced so far. Because uh, there are a lot of these deaths uh, that are that, the civilian population. I think when you come into like into your rural, just like in America, your more rural areas, you're going to have some people. You're, you're, you're going to have people out there who have no idea what's going on. You know what I mean? And now your places that are like centralized around military bases, uh, and and some in the big cities. I think if you went in and invaded, kind of like we did Vietnam, you'd have like you did in Vietnam. You'd have people turning against you. But same with Afghanistan, everybody would become your enemy. But I think in the more rural areas of Japan and whatnot, I don't think so. I, I from what I've read on it, they were they were they were loyal to their emperor, but you know they weren't on the front line of things. They didn't know what was going on most of the time unless somebody. They didn't have telephones like we did, and they didn't have radios and TVs. They they still lived very much in like seventeenth century. <laughs> you know they 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 wouldn't have really put up too much of a resistance. It had been it had been in your cities and around your bases. Of course, the mil the Japanese military would be bombing you wherever you were, so there's that. But as far as like the civilians on the ground, I don't I don't think they'd put up too much of resistance from from what I've read on it. So I had something. Yeah, in Oklahoma, Okinawa, not Oklahoma, <laughs> McVeigh. Back a time machine, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm back on the whole trail. Somebody, some thing. bird dropped a baguette, and now... Now, uh, <laughs> Okinawa, uh, it's estimated that the civilian population of Okinawa... Okinawa... I can English, trust me. Well, Japanese. Um, <laughs> ...was reduced by about one-fourth. Um, with over 100,000 men, women, and children uh, perishing either... During the fighting or having committed suicide. Jesus. Well, that, that's in Okinawa, though. That's yeah. in the city. And that, 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 that's, that's Okinawa. Yeah. Um, See, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> See, sometimes it helps to have highlights. <laughs> uh, well, see, I did know, I, I wanted to, you know, come into that part of the research. I knew very little about our invasion into actual Japan. I knew, I knew, you know, so I, I kind of wanted to keep that fresh. And, yeah, I had no idea Okinawa was so fucking brutal. Like, that was, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I vaguely knew that we invaded it, when, you know, and we held it, and there was bases there afterwards. But that's kind of what I knew. That's, that's what great. That's how many, like 200,000, 100,000 men, women, and children? Fucking, yeah, 100,000 100, of them estimated. That's like 100 Jonestowns. <laughs> yeah, re remember, man. Their their emperor God told them that we were the evil white that's, devil. That's a that's a hundred. Well, that's like nine ninety eight 
fucking World Trade Centers? <laughs> okay, uh, man. So this is where we really start turning up the heat, and the end is near. Um, Dampers already ad admitted that you know it's the, the situation is dire. He's already getting with his war commands about you know what should we do? Can we fight and can we beat them? You know he know the Navy's already said no, we can't stop them, and the Army's like yeah we we can beat them, um, so they don't surrender. We've already issued a declaration for you know a demand for surrender at at this time, so they know they have the opportunity. Um, and during the uh, after the a victory day in Europe, they had that uh, Potsdam uh, committee, yeah, weird name, um, in Germany, and they were issued, you know, at that time, um, you know, a demand for uh, surrender, unconditional, but, and we wouldn't waver. It was, you're going to surrender or this fight's going to continue, and we were going to go ahead with the, the land invasion at this time. But <clears throat> this is also when uh, the new guy, uh, Truman? Um, it was Truman by this point. Yeah. He uh, was told that, you know, we've successfully tested the atomic bomb. Um, of course, our ally Stalin already knew this because he had spies all over the place, and, you know, which is kind of why, you know. Well, but, uh, the, the Japanese knew a little bit. Um, they had spies too. They, they knew that we had something. But they had no idea what it could have been. Like, this was something yeah. beyond the magnitude that had been seen. And they knew we had something. But they didn't, they didn't really have an understanding of what. Which is uh, another thing that will come up later in that particular decision later. Um, but, yeah, we turned up the heat on it. Um, they were issued, you know, our terms for them to surrender or, you know, we would lay waste. Uh, pretty much. Actually, in a lot worse terms than that, they were told. You know, something about bringing destruction upon the likes of which had never been seen before. <laughs> I mean, he grandeurized that speech. I don't know if I'd have believed him either. <laughs> but, uh, the power of the sun. <laughs> but we uh, firebombed Tokyo with 279 B-29 bombers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we didn't uh, well we'll get into that later but we fired we bombed pretty much every habitated space of japan in that, that several years period but especially after 44 there's actually cool anime about it um uh, grave of the fireflies about the aftermath of the firebombing of japan it's uh it was it's pretty pretty horrible <laughs> like their houses were made of wood and paper Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a half a million losses over there. You know, not necessarily just from the the explosions, but you know, from smoke inhalations, burns, you know, aftermath, stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was it was bad. Um then um see what was it? Uh we lay mines all over their uh uh their shipping trade uh, shipping straight. Um Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We continued the the little bombing campaign pretty much uh, for a little bit here, and let's see, yeah, a thousand. That was the number I was looking for. You know, we at 
uh, by the July 10th, 1945, we had uh, done over a thousand bombing raids, raids on the mainland of Japan. Um, from basically the middle of uh, February to, when is that, July 10th. So, you know, five months of time, you know, we've, you know, we've already touched them a thousand times. Yeah. Um, and it took us three years to touch them twice. I, the numbers on that are so, like, they have no idea, really. Um, I saw numbers that ranged anywhere from 9,000 deaths from the firebombing campaigns up to sh just shy of a million. So, basically, in my notes, unknown hundreds of thousands. Yeah, we, the, you, no records. No it's record. estimated. It's, it's all estimated. There, there are no records of the actual losses in these, in these bombing campaigns. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after all this, Japan has again issued the ultimatum, you know, surrender, or we're going to, you know, destroy you. And then we come up to the time when that surrender expired. Well, Japan, Japan had actually issued like responses that so they were sending out feelers one through the Soviet Union to try and bargain for peace, and they also had re, re like um, what's the word uh, 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 when you, somebody offers you you negotiating and you're counter offers yeah stuff. counter they had given a counter offer with four conditions now because I would like to save that for a later date I didn't go into what those conditions were there was something about preserving the emperor as like the kind of figurehead of Japan. I mean, there, there is mostly like and some, maintaining some, uh, yeah, some, of uh, some, some of the some of the territories and resources. Yeah, there was there there was four demands, and honestly, had it been anybody else, I feel like we would have gave in to those demands. Um, but they did. They they there was they were working on it, and also just like our system of government, like I said, theirs was weird, but they had just like we have a senate, they had something similar to it, and they just couldn't. It, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll get into there. All right. So August six. 1945. Years, well, nonstop Allied bombing in virtually every heavy populated city of Japan since mid-1944 has resulted in unknown hundreds of thousands of civilian and military deaths. Early in the morning on this day in Hiroshima, about 350,000 people were beginning their day. Included in this number is 12 airmen, American airmen prisoners of war, and 40,000 Japanese military personnel with the remaining balance being mostly non-combatant families just living their, you know, underclass lives. Um, there was also, like, so much... Uh, there, there were a couple, like, interesting shipping ports and, like, a factory for, uh, like, airplane parts or some shit like that. So there was some strategic use of, to it. Um, but for the most part, the majority of, of people in this city were civilians. All right, so they're going about like eight something in the morning. There's a brilliant flash of light, like nothing, nobody there had seen before. Then brief, unnatural silence, followed by a deafening boom. Estimated eighty thousand people are instantly killed in the blast and firestorm. Seventy thousand more are injured. Four point square miles of the city are completely destroyed, and by completely destroyed, I don't mean there's debris. I mean, you see an aerial photograph of, of Hiroshima before the bomb, and you see one the day after, and it is a clear field. It there's God. There's one <laughs> building. Like, there's like, yeah, because well, it had a copper dome. Yeah. And, but it shows up as like a little round shadow. And there's like a couple like archways that because of the way they positioned, the blast kind of went through it, didn't really. But there was, a, there was a woman who was sitting, she sat down on a, 
like this stone uh, like staircase ledge thing like in the city. She had sat down to like tie her shoe or some shit like that, and the fucking blast wave come through, and it turned her to ash. It was like Thanos snapping his fingers. I mean, just gone. There's photographs that you can find on on all over the internet that were taken, and you you see children like half disintegrated. Yeah, they described it as they were uh, people had their flesh melting. Yeah. <laughs> Not was, burned off. Right. Melting. <laughs> now that is a very specific description. Yeah. Put that in your mind. Not burned, melting. Japanese officials report nearly 70% of the buildings are destroyed with 6 to 7% damaged. Overall, if you count within the first couple of days of the blast, estimated 140,000 deaths occurred in the aftermath of the bomb. Now, of that there was only like like 2,000, I think, soldiers. The 12 Americans, they they didn't make it. <laughs> so we killed our own. We killed like 2,000 soldiers. And then a whole lot of fucking innocent people who, you know, whether they were patriotic or not, they didn't make the decisions. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't even military. They were, they were bakers. They were rice cookers. They were fishermen. Fishermen out there in boats trying to navigate a minefield. <laughs> or worked at the Mitsubishi plant creating engines for their fighters, worked at the munitions plant creating well, shells yeah, for their course, you know, carriers. Of course, there's, there, there's, there's that. It was consider. chosen for its military and, production. And those, you know, <laughs> now, granted, just like over here in the U.S., who's doing the production? The civilians that are trying to make, make a dollar and get through the times. <laughs> uh, but the point, the, my thing with this is, and it's going to be my, 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 uh, the, the hill I die on here out, <laughs> is that when Japan attacked, anywhere it attacked, it attacked a military installation. It attacked military targets. There were civilian deaths, but they were attacking military targets on a military comp- campaign. They did not wantonly slaughter. <laughs> that point of contention will definitely be discussed in whether or not we should have or should not have taken this particular action. Right. So, after the bombing of Hiroshima... President Truman said, quote, We may be grateful to Providence that the German atomic bomb project has failed and that the United States and its allies had spent $2 billion on the greatest scientific gamble in history and won. He further told Japan, If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. Behind this air attack will follow sea and land forces in such numbers and power as they have not yet seen, and with the fighting skill of which they are already well aware. And end quote. So also at this I'm time, I'm so happy I got it right. <laughs> right before, right before Hiroshima was bombed, Russia has now put both their feet in the pond, and they want to fuck. They, they want to fuck with uh, Japan now too. So they're at Japan's front door. We're burrowing in its asshole. It's getting spit-roasted pretty hard right now. As you can see, it's getting pretty damn complicated. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Japan went and looked at the bombing, looked at at Hiroshima, and they were like, all right, look, this is is fucking horrible. That being said, they can only have a couple more of these ready. We're trying for peace. We can hold out. A little longer, sustain a little bit more damage, we might come out of this okay in the end, basically. 
And then they're, they're all, while the Japanese are saying this, at the same time, they're fucking politicians. They, they can't make decisions. They're arguing over if we should surrender, who should we surrender. Three, right three split vote on whether we should <laughs> surrender or not. And it had to be unanimous. <laughs> you had one of them sitting there saying, no, we, we should fight to the last man. There's no die. way they will kill us all. They will give up before they will wipe us off. We are here. all going to die. I accept that. But I cannot vote yes on this bill unless you throw in that little paperclip I got right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, on August 9th, Nagasaki was bombed. The bomb used was actually more powerful than the one used on Hiroshima. And we'll get into bombs that are more increasingly powerful than the one used on Hiroshima. But, that being said, the blast was more contained because of the surrounding landscape. Apparently, Nagasaki sits on like two mountain sides that meet in the middle of this valley and the target was in the valley so the blast actually didn't go out as far as it did in Hiroshima. Um, 263,000 people lived in Nagasaki including 240,000 Japanese residents, 10,000 Korean residents, 2,500 conscripted Korean workers, slave, 9,000 Japanese soldiers, 600 conscripted Chinese, Chinese workers, yeah. And 400 Allied prisoners of war in a camp to the north of Nagasaki. 400 Allied prisoners of war. They didn't make it either. Doesn't yeah, end well for them. No. I didn't get into the full numbers on this one. Um, it seems like the pretty much the entire internet has said, well, fuck Nagasaki. And uh, I could have done deeper, but we might go into that on another episode. But the death toll there was actually lower than Hiroshima. The count as of 1945 was 80,000 people. Now, of course, after, you know, you have, you have people that have radiation poisoning. You have people with their genetics getting passed on, fucked up cancer to kids. And you have yeah. generations of death afterwards that are a direct result of the I bomb. I think the conservative estimate has been said, you know, right at a quarter of a million people. Yeah, and that's, that's a lot. That's a conservative estimate. That's a lot yeah. for... 2,300 people. <laughs> now, we lost more than that in Pacific Theater, but by then we had, we had jumped into the war. Um, so, Japan had given its conditions for surrender. And after the bombing of Hiroshima, had begun to liberate other options of ending the war. But because the cabinet had to be in unanimous agreement, and a minority was opposed to the surrender, they became deadlocked. So they had a government shutdown. Well, after a couple of days of this, Hirohoto, the emperor of Japan, on the 12th of August, announced to his family and immediate uh, like advisors his intent to surrender. In the coming days, he would mention the nuclear bombs as, as part of it, basically declaring that the enemy was so reckless and cruel that they would destroy the whole planet if Japan didn't surrender. He further added that the final decision to give up was that Russia had declared war and didn't want to allow Japan to be completely erased by what now felt like the whole fucking world. And that is where I end our history lesson. One more little teeny tiny point that I learned during doing this research is at that point, after the second bomb, we gave them the ultimatum again, and it was radioed, un unscrambled, Open frequency that Japan was going to accept the unconditional surrender. Yeah, but that was by the uh, that was from Parliament. They were like, okay, okay, okay. Right. But until, but just like this, mm -hmm. it had to be had to go to the desk. But it still, they were still like arguing and bickering. 
<laughs> it was going to be broadcast to the public the next day. One of the generals on his little war staff said, uh, no. He tried to stage a coup. He sent his battalion in to guard the royal house where the emperor was and persuaded most of the guard that was there to join his cause and slaughtered the rest. Um, they ransacked the palace looking for this recording. They were going to stop it from being broadcast to the people. They did not want to surrender. They were not going to accept it. They were going to take over, and they were going to fight to the very last man. Yeah. We did not get the formal response that we were supposed to have gotten after, okay, we're going to surrender. Okay, these are the terms. Do you accept this? We didn't get the second response. Yeah. Um, so this isn't formalized on our side yet. We had a third bomb ready. Yeah, we did. <laughs> We, we kind of rushed it in production, but it was ready. <laughs> it was picked up. The parts were picked up from their respective places, the bomb and the, the core, and shipped out to someplace in California. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it didn't get to uh, Tanan, the island out there, to actually be assembled and launched yet. Um, it was going to be done on, um, what was it, uh, August 20... 7th, 29th, I can't remember exactly what day that was. I, my notes cut off before that. Um, this is a secondary thing that I just happened to catch on while I was doing this. Right out of Papyrus. Um, <laughs> um, I have a short documentary that I was pulling through to get some of these dates. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the coup was prevented and it was overdone. The broadcast was made and our secondary yeah. response got done the day before we were going to ship that bomb out to... Uh, to, to, to drop it. I actually lost like a good hour of time doing research yesterday going into like the story of that coup. Just that part. I didn't read too much. I was like, I was kind of skimming over because I was like, look, gonna, this is a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of wanted to touch certain things on it, but that coup, it was, it was fucking, it's a pretty cool story, man. We're going to have to dive into that. Yeah, um, that, that was an interesting twist that I, I didn't know about, man. I, I found out about all this Pretty much last night, cramming for you know some of the extra. I semi lied. I do have a couple more notes here about the uh, U.S. military's kind of response to the bombing. So, and now you you always hear from a lot of people is like you know it, it was great. It ended the war, and you know the, the government always like no. Um, six out of our of the existing at the time seven five star officers were critical of the use of the bomb. Admiral William Leahy, who was outspoken about it his whole life. White House Chief of Staff during the time said in his 1950 memoirs, the use of this barbarous weapon at Hiroshima and Nagasaki was of no material assistance in our war against Japan. The Japanese were already defeated and ready to surrender. In being the first to use it, we had adopted an ethical standard common to the barbarians of the Dark Ages. I was not taught to make war in that fashion, and wars cannot be won by destroying women and children. Further on, future present... Future President Dwight Eisenhower opposed the use of the atomic bomb in Japan during a July 1945, that was before the bombing, meeting with Secretary of War Henry Stimson. He says, and I quote, I told him I was going to use, I was against it on two counts. First, the Japanese were ready to surrender, and it wasn't necessary to hit them with that awful thing. Second, I hated to see our country be the first to use such a weapon. And that's pretty much where my notes end. Um... 
Yeah, it was something about the surrender, the way they wanted, they had to do it their own ceremonious they way were, or they something were like that. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to. They just couldn't quite get it to work out in in the timely fanner manner that and uh, we should have been we a little bit more like understanding that because at our time, but there before the start of the war, no one before Pearl Harbor, no one wanted to go to war. I mean, it wasn't quite to the Vietnam level of protest, but. People did not want to go to war. Yeah, had, we just lost fifteen million people or whatever. Yeah, know? had had they not bombed Pearl Harbor, they could have probably surrendered when the European theater, you know, surrendered when Hitler surrendered. Well, Germany, Hitler was already dead before Germany surrendered. Um, but when Germany surrendered and that war ended, um, Japan could have said, "You know what? Okay, we surrender too. Fuck it, we're we're done," and probably kept most of what they already had. Yeah, because there we. Our fighting spirit had damn near waned at that time. You know, we were tired of war by the time Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and got us involved over there. So, I don't know exactly. I mean, who knows what would have happened had they just said, all right, we're done now. We've got enough. You know, leave us alone. Yeah, um, yeah. But we don't. Um, but, yeah, going into that bombing thing, yeah, uh, some of the generals were like, why don't we just demonstrate it? Yeah. You know, pick an unoccupied area off of their coast and drop a bomb out in the freaking ocean. Unoccupy an area of their coast. Yeah, or <laughs> drop it off the coast. Yeah. You know, that's just as effective let as the demonstration. Let them actually see it. Let the population see it. We'll break their will. We'll let them know that, hey, we can do this. We just don't want to. Um, or, you know, the other option would have been just, you know, just... Uh, what, what what was it? Um, go ahead with the the land campaign. Yeah. Um, saying once we'd have put boots on the ground and actually started mowing through their actual homeland, uh, and yeah, it would have broken was the spirit. Coming in from the other end, um, which yeah. was that is a contingent on the other side of this, man. You know exactly. Russia was coming in on the back door. The United States didn't want to give Russia any more than what they had. Tensions were tight with Russia. They might have been allies, but tensions yeah. were tight, bro. Yeah, that's gonna be a whole other episode. <laughs> but honestly. I mean, we the, knew what Stalin was the up to. The nuclear bomb is what is, is what brought in the Cold War, and I don't know if it was during the Soviets' time or has been since. I think it had been during the Soviet time, honestly. But Russia developed a weapon, a like a thermonuclear weapon that they've named uh, the like the, the you know we called the atom bombs a bomb. They also had individual the hydrogen names. bomb. Yeah, they invented a bomb that they that they have named. Um, We'll show you. And its payload, like its explosive payload, is 1,400 times more than that of Hiroshima. Four, so Hiroshima cleared almost five miles. That is a huge fucking bomb. And this all comes about as, well, we got to be able to respond to something like this. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the bomb was going to be made. You know, had we not stolen all Hitler scientists and had them finish their work over here, it... It would have it would have been them, and that would have been fucking horrible. <laughs> that would have the world would be a very different place. Like I said, we had options available. We didn't have to drop the bomb on them. We didn't have to actually use it. No, um, just you know, showing that you have the power is often enough to dissuade um, a, a small type of a uh, little scenario that you can you know relate to it is you know. The common thing that we see here in America is on the gun topic. Um, not going to get all deep into it, just going to use it as a slight example here, folks. That's a whole different episode way out in the future. We'll get to that. But uh, Probably a series. 
<laughs> just brandishing a, a weapon in a bad situation is usually enough to make a bad guy change his mind. Yeah, agree. You don't always have to pull the trigger. You don't always have to use the force. Just letting people know you have it available and that you are willing is usually enough. Now, off of that topic and on back to the big bomb, the big gun that we uh, brandished, um, why? Why did we actually choose that route? And was it the, the best route we could have went? Okay, again, back into the numbers and the, the, the big battles that, that led up to this. Um, the total numbers here, uh, you're talking about 3 million easily for the, uh, the Japanese. And those were com you know, combatants, you know, actual soldiers. Yeah. Um, civilians, non-combatants. Um, over a half a million, but you know, could be higher because, again, like I said, in those fire bombings, we have no idea. There's no record. So some estimates go up over a million civilians, um, people that had no, no say in the war. They were just there trying, to, trying to make a life. Um, like I said, most of those lives um, in battle were by traditional means and the actual fighting. Um, but what, what was it here? Um... Not the kamikazes. Um, yeah, twenty-one percent. They say you know were suicides. Yeah, um, that's actually a lower number than I would have thought. Because they they weren't going. No, they fought to that point, and then the rest of them. That's how few oh, decided okay. to uh, <laughs> commit suicide. And then the few of them that were too chicken to commit suicide or just didn't believe the emperor's bullshit, they were the ones that were taken prisoner. And those were very few. <laughs> very few indeed. Um, and a handful of civilians would be found hiding in holes. You know, they were trying. They didn't want to be captured by us, but they didn't want to die either. Yeah, I um, just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> um, civilians were not spared from the enemy attacks. So if they, when they went into these lands that they they occupied, you know, they they wiped out a significant portion of the civilian populations. Um, I did not look up the numbers on those. Again, all those big battles and occupations and stuff, there are plenty of documentaries to look up and get all these numbers for you on that. But the numbers are extremely high. Um, but yeah, it was uh, 66 different cities that we uh, firebombed. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and think of how many cities there were, you know? Yeah, um... See, uh, what was it? Clampson ninety eight. I don't know what the heck those are. What? what um, oh, it's their little uh, reference notes there. I was trying to figure out what those you know little figures were, um, but uh, yeah, um, in the Guadalcanal, uh, twenty four thousand Japanese killed. Um, well, uh, 1,200 were, uh, taken prisoner. Um, and that was just, and then the rest of them escaped to be found at other islands. You know, they, they yeah, got yeah. back to, to fight at other battles. Uh, Iwo Jima, uh, we lost, um, 
25,000 there trying to take that little tiny piece of land. (laughs) Um, This is the kind of fighting we were up against. Um, 20,000 Japanese defenders. We lost 25,000, almost 26,000 soldiers to take out 20,000 Japanese. Wow. Um, And of those, uh, there were 1,000, 1,000 survivors, 1,083 survivors. That's like point eight kills per person. <laughs> like, um, yeah, eighteen thousand Japanese soldiers died. You know, little over almost eleven hundred survivors. Uh, Okinawa, uh, American casualties: twelve thousand dead, thirty six hundred thirty six thousand wounded. Um, so we took high losses there. Um, an estimated. 110,000 Japanese troops were killed. Fewer than 8,000 surrendered. Goddamn. Um, Okinawan men, women, and children perished in the fighting or committed suicide under orders from the Japanese military. Families were given hand grenades to detonate when captured by Americans. Um... Then they started with the kamikaze attacks at about this time. Uh, yeah, popular, contrary to popular belief, there were no kamikaze attacks during the Pearl Harbor and Manila thing. No, was, Pearl, the kamikaze attacks started way late in the yeah, war. Nobody, everybody thought that was a thing. I, I actually always did until, until this, obviously. And a lot of reports say it wasn't really that effective. But... It's a pretty big bullet. Um, 12,281... Uh, Americans killed in the campaign, 4,900 were Navy personnel, and we lost 34 ships. 26 of those were from kamikaze attacks. I mean, that's not bad. Like, that's the majority. They sent 2,700 planes in kamikaze attacks. None of them came back. Not very many of them made it to their targets, but the ones that did were extremely effective. And they would just get they bored severely right wounded kamikaze. two of our carriers in that, but they didn't quite get them sunk. Uh, yeah, so those are the, that's the kind of numbers that you're you're looking at. They they don't surrender; they would rather die. Um, so, and, and like I said, there was one other thing that I did touch on earlier um, about that. You know, the estimations would be we we would take a, a quarter million casualties trying to take over the mainland with over a million Japanese being lost there, and you can't really, and, and that's, that's uh, combatants, that's not the civilians, you know, we don't know, based on what we have seen, the civilians would start killing themselves too. Yeah, and um, well, and like I said, in the, in the more rural areas, like, I don't think they would even know what the fuck is going on. And like, I, I kind of feel like when we started, cause we started like going over in airplanes, dropping messages to the Japanese people. Yeah, we we, we were. I, I kind of wonder if there were some rice farmers that had no idea. Like this, this was the first. Thing I don't know if it would have been as bad as what some of the projections would have said on it, but it, I, it probably wouldn't have been great, and it would have played hell with the optics on the American shores. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. <laughs> And then you got to count the fact that while we're doing this long land invasion that's probably going to take a couple of extra years, which is another thing about the whole war, another few years, man, we can end it next week. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Russia was coming, USSR, the Soviets at the time, uh, were coming in from the north. They had already taken Manchuria, and they were coming in, and we didn't want to share. <laughs> we didn't want to give Russia any more resources than they already had, so do we really want to share Japan? Yeah, we got to keep um, them away from that bombing site, too. We, we don't want them to see that. We <laughs> see what the heck kind of stuff they're demanding over here for Germany. Yeah. Do we really want to do that with Japan, too? No, we don't. So we got to get Japan to surrender to us. We can't have them surrender to, to, to uh, sorry, uh, to the Soviet Union. Uh, we, can't, we can't allow that. Um, so we got to do something expediently. So the land invasion is pretty much off. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't the land invasion. It seemed like it, it seemed like okay, like for take, Okinawa was such a was, was such a bloodbath. I, like I said, that's mountains of bodies, you know. And we've already <laughs> sent over a thousand. Like I said, in six months' time, we hit them with a thousand air raids. When in the previous three years, we couldn't hit them twice. <laughs> so I mean, we showed them our military might. You, they seen the end. I mean, yeah. He said the situation is dire. I mean, they knew we could continue this, and ju there's nothing they could do about. It. We had air superiority. Well, they couldn't. They couldn't stop bickering in the cabinet. Yeah, we had already invented, uh, redesigned our our, our our aircraft, so we had air superiority everywhere we were at this this point. The zeros were trash. They handled great, but they were matchsticks. Once we figured out how to outmaneuver them in the air by, and made the uh, the new Hellcat instead of the Wildcat. We took air to air superiority, so we we had impunity in there. We could have bombed them into level ground, conventionally, and waited for them to surrender at that point. But again, how many years would that take? How many more casualties would that take? Um, some of the estimates for how many lives we would have saved by doing this, which is why some of the other generals were, you know, no, it's better for us to drop the bomb instead of going through this, you know. The numbers are telling us that hey, we might take out a half a million, but you know half the fucking population is going to be fucking Okinawa if we would try to go from north to south. Yeah, um, yeah. We didn't want Okinawa all across the the mainland. Um, so like I said, we've got a picture in our head about what's going to happen here, and so we're trying to end it in the uh, fastest way possible with the least human life. Well. Not quite though, because like you said, that somewhere I I, I and I couldn't actually find any. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that was an option, but it must not have occurred to them either to, to just not slaughter everybody first. You know, let's like like you said with the you know pick a pick an unoccupied area, pick a fucking empty rice field. Yeah, that's you know? the one that I'm wondering <laughs> is why didn't we just demonstrate that power? Yeah, why like, why commit an act of terror? Yeah, you don't <laughs> always have to do it, man. I mean, but would they have bought it? I, that's that's the question. I think the Japanese government, with the Japanese people, they, like I said, I think a lot of them had no idea what was going on. And we only had them. three. I think the Japanese government. Well, yeah, but more could have been made. It, it would have took. It would have took a while. It, it took a while to to enrich the material to make yeah, the core. But we had, you so know, could we afford for them not to accept the surrender? First, first one's a first one's a display that they can see. You know, the next one it didn't work when we it, used that display on a city. It, it, it's it's like you know it, it's like how you load a shotgun. The first shot you know it'd be rock salt. Next one's birdshot. After that it's Jamaican buckshot, buckshot, buckshot. You know it's that's you you give them you shoot the one over their heads. You hit them with the rock salt. You don't 
Yeah, you, I, I agree. You don't I turn wish, the gun on their toddler I'm, and blast them in the face. Yeah, I, I almost wish that we would have that. You know, and it, it would have worked out that way. I mean, it's one of those plot possible scenarios that worked out in a different planet somewhere in the metaverse. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would got our future archives. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that would have probably been a nicer future to live in. Um, but. We can look at it from the lens of 75 years in the, in the future here and see what actually happened. We did do a display. We did it on a city. And it still took them too damn long to reply with a surrender. And, and now we're friends with the Japanese, kind of. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, they kind of let bygones be bygones. But I don't know if any of our listeners or whatever listen, watch anime. If not, I, I don't know. I don't know why not. But they're... If you watch any Japanese anime for a period of time, you start to realize that they ain't forgot that shit. It, mushroom clouds are a regular occurrence. And they're usually done by, you know, the, the initial attack that brutalizes people is usually done by some outsider with these angry interests. They, they still propagandize it, and they have not forgotten. They have not. I wouldn't. I fucking would not forget that shit. You know, so they haven't forgotten it. And... And it's caused tension, like I said, the, the whole Cold War. You know, the tension and everything caused by nu- by the nuclear bombs being dropped and being shit like that. It's, it's insane. It's, it's insane. And we, we used it, and we stopped using it, but then everybody else had to have it, so we had to have more of them. And now, now look at us. Now look where we're at. Well, the Cold War would have happened whether or not we'd actually dropped it on the city or not. If we'd have just demonstrated know. the power. What well, if we... As soon as we tested it, the Cold War started. We had three bombs. You got three enemies. <laughs> well, that is a complete episode there, brother. Did we miss our opportunity for fucking world domination? Tokyo or wherever the fucking emperor and palace, wherever all the headquarters hit that. Boom. Keep the, on going. The, the third one should have been Moscow. Boom. <laughs> fucking Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. Actually, I think Hitler was already dead. At Hitler point, was dead. He? Germany was fucking leveled, dude. Yeah. It was done. The war was over. So you uh, get we Moscow had to take out Moscow and London. Oh, you take London? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're really going to do that, if we're going to take that into that world's we metaverse. Start taxing their teeth? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. See, I, I also I feel like if you're, if you're out. If you're making war, you might as well conquer. <laughs> I can say, somewhere in the metaverse is an earth where we did that. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you fucking imagine? No, that would be that would be crazy. Because London was already fucked up with all the shelling and the, <laughs> the war, what have you. London was fucked up, dude. Moscow wasn't no. I mean, Moscow hadn't been, but the Russians they they didn't have a whole I, lot. I don't of know if it was St. Petersburg or Moscow during Stalin's. So I don't I don't know, but wherever the hell he was. Take out that head, you know, and then... Oh, it was Stalin, well, Stalingrad, but yeah, it had already been bombed to crap, but that was... It, it would have probably been a good symbolic to hit Stalingrad with it, but it was already ruins. You, you know, we, somewhere where the capital is, you know. Go ahead and wipe out their capital. If they live, that's fine. I but think at that point, their version of the parliament or whatever the heck they had you know, going at the time was in Moscow at the time, but you know, the, the capital was Stalin, Stalingrad, you know, because Stalin. Yeah, yeah. But well, guys, that's uh, that's I guess that's going to be it for today. Um, <laughs> we're at an hour. Mike said this morning we're not going to do no hour podcast. Well, I just kind of 
went on about my business, but I knew better. Um, <laughs> I, was, I got 1,200 words, man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so our podcast, is a, this is going to be up on Spotify, uh, hopefully Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, Audible. Um, we're going to figure out a way to get it onto Twitch. We already got Twitch accounts and all that. We just got to figure out how to get this on there without video this time. This was episode zero, so there's no camera, and the sound quality might be off, background noise, whatnot. Um, I'm in the process of moving, so our next episode will be either at Mike's house or my own in a room set up more for a studio and whatnot. I'm actually sitting in my kitchen in a house with three cats and three dogs, and yeah, it's, it's doing all right, but you know. <laughs> uh, also, you can follow us on Patreon. Uh, we don't have any bonus content yet. We are... We've been discussing what kind of Bose content we'd want to do, um, but we will in the future. If you want to go on, go ahead and donate on the Patreon, that'd be great. And if not, hey, look, we're going to keep doing this podcast till we get tired of it. So, uh, on to you, Mike. Yeah, guys, and if you like what you're hearing, um, don't forget to hit those buttons, all the likes, the follows, you know, leave comments and all that stuff on every platform that we eventually reach to. Um, we're going to hit them all and find out... Uh, you know, just how to contact you guys with our uh, interesting conversations here. Hopefully uh, you guys find it interesting enough to uh, share it with your friends. I know you all will have uh, plenty of channels and uh, stations you can listen to. And I thank you very much for uh, taking ours. All right, man, until next time, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and fuck around and find out. <laughs>